coming up on this episode of the MD and Chef Team Show. And when that story of pain, pain, pain keeps happening, then the bottom line is we try to escape it. And so what do people do to escape it? Food, alcohol, nicotine, pot, methamphetamines, high-risk sports, more sexual partners, pornography, gambling, staying busy, becoming an overachiever to just not feel the pain. Is that an amazing equation? Trauma leads to pain, leads to escape. Welcome to the show from the The MD MD and Chef Chef Team. Team. I'm Dr. Isabel, medical doctor here at the MD and Chef Team. And who are you? And I'm Chef Michael, culinary nutrition expert. I'm the chef part of the team. And what are we going to talk about, babe? Now, I can say that because he's my husband. (laughs) Yes. Well, then we'll be talking about marriage, relationships, parenting, intimacy. We'll talk about mindsets of success, overcoming depression, anxiety. I'll be getting into functional nutrition, recipes and tips from the kitchen. And we're going to both get into how to live a long, healthy, vibrant life. Yes, I love it. Our mission is to help you prevent and reverse disease and give you hope in the process. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. We We like like to have fun, fun too. So let's Let's get get on on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MD and Chef Team Show. And today I am joined by my beautiful wife, Isabel, and your doctor on a mission. And she is starting a very thrilling, very insightful and inspirational two-part series. So this podcast and the next podcast is a two-part series. So this week will be part one of, tell us what's happening, my dear. Well, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for your time and for joining us today. Today and the next podcast is going to be how adverse childhood experiences affect our brain health. So before we begin, I want to say that this may be a trigger for you. And if it is, I encourage you to look at it as a positive. When we are out in the world, people are like, oh, that's a trigger. You shouldn't be talking about that. You're triggering me. You're triggering me. Well, you know what? I believe that triggers are good. They help us face reality. In my family, life happened and it was ugly at certain times. And later on in life, nobody wanted to talk about it. And you know what? It still was in my heart. It still was in the back of my brain. In specific, the limbic system, which you will be learning about today with me. And I just want to say that It's okay to face what happened and heal from it and move forward. And that is my intention. However, if you're not ready, then I encourage you to understand that this is not a podcast for you. So if you need to leave, bye-bye. And I will see you. I'll talk to you on on another podcast. All right? Or this one will be there for you and you <laughs> are you're ready. ready and you could say, you know what? I'm ready to hear that one now. I'm going to go back yeah. and listen to that one that uh, Dr. Isabel talked about. Yeah. How's that? That's a better way of yeah. saying it too. Yeah. yeah. That's another way. Because it. it is timing. You know, sometimes we're not ready to face things or we're not ready to hear things. And 
That's okay. It's everybody's personal journey. I know myself at times I was like, ah, I'm not ready for that yet. And then I circled back uh, at the correct timing for me and said, okay, I need to face this and see how I can become better. Yeah. And it's hard work, but it's worth it. Yes. Now in medical training, my medical training, I went to medical school in Colorado in America, we never learned about how adverse childhood experiences affect our lives, our future. Now, today I'm going to talk about adverse childhood experience score, and it is essentially what has happened to us, the rough experiences in our childhood. In New Zealand, which is where my husband and I are living right now, New Zealand has the highest rate of suicide in the world which is hard to believe because it's such a beautiful country, but there's a lot of, uh, oh, what shall I say, family dynamics. Domestic abuse. Yeah, and cultural issues that aren't really dealt with. People just close the door to them and say, that's not for us to discuss. But you know what? It is if we want to heal. And I wish I would have known more about this when I was growing up. The research shows that people who deal with their adverse childhood experiences, learn how to heal from them. They become more resilient so that when life goes kapow and you you get socked in the gut, you're able to bounce back and go, okay, I'm okay. I can deal with this. Because you know what? When we are healed, we're able to live a happier, healthier life. Now there's three types of ACE, ACEs. The first one is abuse. And in that category is physical abuse, emotional abuse, and sexual abuse. The next category is neglect, physical neglect, not being fed enough, not been given enough clothing to stay warm, uh, clean clothes. And under neglect is also emotional neglect, not being loved, not being spoken highly of, not being encouraged or inspired by those who are raising you. The next category is household dysfunction. And in that is families with mental illness, a relative who is incarcerated, a mother who is treated violently. And I just want to sidestep on this. This is when I realized that my anxiety and depression started. It was at the age of nine. And at that time, dad had bought a rifle And he hid it upstairs. Well, he didn't really even hide it. He just had it upstairs unlocked in the closet. And I remember he brought all of us in front of the closet and um, in front of all three of us kids and mom and said, this is the rifle and it's here and I've got it. And I'm, you know, essentially you better watch it or else I will do away with you. And that's, um, that was scary because there was nobody in our family that would be able to help us. And that I know, I know, I know now because I've done the work that that's when the anger and the rage in me and how unfair that I was living in this family with a father like that and where the anxiety came. So everybody has their own journey to learn about this. But once you do, you realize, oh my gosh, this is when this started. This is where my anxiety started, my depression. And then you can grow from that area. So I'm so grateful that I realized that. And I hope that that gives you encouragement to do the work. 
Another problem with household dysfunction is substance abuse and divorce. Now, there are health risks that are involved with adverse childhood experiences. For instance, behavior. People don't exercise. They don't have physical activity. They start smoking. They start drinking alcohol. They start using drugs. And they start missing work or school. Other health health risks are mental and physical health risks, like severe obesity. I now look at people that are obese with a different pair of eyes now, after what I've learned and grown from. It also increases your risk of type 2 diabetes, depression, suicide attempts, sexually transmitted diseases, heart disease, cancer, stroke, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which is where you can't get enough oxygen and you need inhalers and prednisone. In short, it's called COPD. And you also have an increased risk of broken bones. Wow. I'm not quite sure why that happens. Maybe your vitamin D levels are low or you're not absorbing calcium or you're not exercising. Stress and immunity. Yeah, right. Do you mind if I jump in on a couple comments? Yeah, go for it. Just a few things you talked about there. One about the rifle in the closet with the family and that. An interesting thing, and just using that personal story as an example, is that nobody talked about it. You know how you said you had, you know, anger and, and it led to anxiety and depression and that. And you could see how with nobody talking about it, just totally held inwardly for years. I mean, we're talking decades later on as an adult having to kind of, well, why am I like this? Mm-hmm. You know, and nobody's ever talked about these things because it just no, they didn't want to in the family. That I do want to say, I know for you, when you started talking about it and bringing it out and addressing it and moving beyond it so that it wasn't a forgiving thing, but yet it was, you were able to, you were able to forgive, not necessarily forget, but using that as a way to heal yourself, how important that was to say, okay, this did happen and this is affecting me. This is part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And now I'm ready. Again, this goes back to our disclaimer at the very beginning. When you are ready, Mm -hmm. you will be open and deal with those types of things. So I thought that was really interesting. And then the part you were talking about. I I just want to say about not dealing with it. The family never talked about it. Yeah, it's not just my family. I've seen more than a million people and many are unwell and they don't talk about it. They They just keep on numbing themselves and and just continuing on in that deep circle round and round and round. And it's hard to have conversations still with my family. I haven't had these conversations. I've had conversations with me and God. Yeah. And me and you to help me heal. Yeah. You know, and I've done a lot of reading and stuff, but Still, my family is, they're not ready. If the moment you bring it up, the, oh, no. No, no, no. We don't want to talk about it. We can't talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, we're talking, what, 50 years ago, 50 some years ago. I think we can talk about it now, guys. Yeah. (laughs) And then that's that's not okay. I respect that. It's not just your family. That's a lot. Yeah. And and the part that help understand out there, listeners, is that the adverse childhood experiences, affects 
disease later in life. Yeah. That something that's happened in your early stages of life can actually set you up for disease later on. I think most have ever heard that. We haven't addressed that. As you said, it's not talked about in medical school. I'm sure healthcare system's not saying, oh, well, let's talk, you know, oh, you've got, you know, type two diabetes. Let's talk about your childhood. <laughs> no, think so. that's not happening. But this is part of, it's not saying the only factor, but it's still, it's part of this lifestyle factors of what could be bringing you to these things in your life and how, you know, it's, it's a lot of things affect people and bring them to a certain point. And it's not just, oh, they're lazy. They're just lazy. Well, no, not really. There's a lot of factors that have brought them there and they probably haven't been addressed. That's right. And then it's getting that professional help that understands it, like yourself, to help people address those things. Yeah. Yeah. Like obesity. Yeah. You know, you know what I used to think about obesity. Oh, right. they just eat too much. Well, why are they yeah. eating too much? Are they feeding a hungry heart? Yeah. You know, what? Yeah, what's exactly. going on? Are you, yeah. you know, and then also with depression, oh, you just need an SSRI. Well, no, there's, it's not a deficiency in Prozac. It's, <laughs> it's, it's what's happened in life. Like I was there. I get it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's such a, an important statement that depression is not a deficiency of a drug. You know, it's not a deficiency of Prozac. It's not a deficiency of any drug. There's something else going on. Yeah. And this can be one of the factors. It might yeah. not be the only, but it can be one of the factors. Yeah. And there is a place for yes. medication. Yeah, okay. I'm not against temporary, that. There is a temporary place to help. For the bridge. It's not a to help you over the bridge. Permanent fix. Yeah. Now. What else you got? Well, uh, so a score greater than four puts you at risk for poor health outcomes. Like, for instance, a score greater than four can increase your risk of depression by 460%. And a score greater than four puts you at risk for suicide of 1,220%. That blew me away. Now, when you say a score, you're talking about there's a test that people can Yeah, take. people can go on okay. Google and look up ACE. A-C-E. A-C-E, Adverse Childhood Experiences, take, this take the test. test. Okay. Yeah. Now, the key to understand childhood experiences is it increases our stress hormones, and in particular, the fight or freeze hormones, which is your cortisol. And people, the kids do poorly in school. They don't trust adults. I didn't trust adults. And they become loners to protect themselves. And it's shown that they relieve their anxiety by killing themselves. New Zealand has one of the highest rates of suicide and the kids are doing it, you know, especially the boys. And like, I really understand this now. Yes. Which is really, yeah. um, they feel guilty. They feel like it's their fault, that their family's a mess. They have shame. They think that they're bad because you see, they never got the emotional support from their family. So they feel like they're bad. I'm not good enough. And they turn to numbing techniques. And some of the numbing techniques are things like food, nicotine, alcohol, pot, methamphetamines, and activities to escape their problems, such as high-risk sports, have more sexual partners, they become overachievers. And they stay busy, busy, busy. Now, Dr. Gabor Mate, M-A-T-E, who's a psychiatrist, 
lovely, lovely speaker and a mentor of mine wrote this movie with some French film producers called the wisdom of trauma.com. And very simply one, I encourage you to watch it because it will help you understand why people are numbing themselves. And the equation is so clear to me now. I wish I would have known this in medical training is trauma happens and we can't deal with it right away, right? So it just leads to pain. And that pain just goes round and round and round in our brains. We play that story of pain, pain, pain. And when that story of pain, pain, pain keeps happening, then the bottom line is we try to escape it. And so what do people do to escape it? Food, alcohol, nicotine, pot, methamphetamines, high-risk sports, more sexual partners, pornography, gambling, staying busy, becoming an overachiever to just not feel the pain. Is that an amazing equation? Trauma leads to pain, leads to escape. So the goal is to increase your resiliency so that when the pain happens, you know how to escape it correctly. And what is resiliency? Well, resiliency is the capacity to recover quickly from any difficulty. Because come on, let's face it, life's hard. Yeah. A lot of the times. Now, I'm not going to yeah. say most not of the time. Not all the time, but, but stuff happens. A lot of the time. You can't get work. You don't yeah. have enough money. Kids are sick. Your husband's not doing well. You're yeah. not doing well. Life's hard. It's tough. And resiliency is the ability to bounce back. How would you like to feel a sense of clarity, focus, and mental sharpness that enables you to tackle any challenge with ease? Can you envision experiencing a better memory and recall, allowing you to easily remember important details, names, and events? What could you accomplish if your mental energy is always high, allowing you to stay alert and productive throughout the day without feeling mentally fatigued or foggy? How great would it feel when you experience better quality sleep allowing your brain to rest and recharge, leading to increased productivity and creativity. Imagine feeling a sense of calmness and control, allowing you to manage stress and anxiety with ease, giving you the confidence to handle any situation. Be honest with yourself. When was the last time you experienced an overall sense of well-being and satisfaction? You see, your brain health positively impacts all areas of your life, from work to relationships and personal growth. Just visualize how amazing it would feel to have optimal brain health and unlock your full potential. If you want to learn more, and I know you do, then check out the link in the show notes for the Optimizing Your Brain Health community. And we look forward to seeing you there. And now back to the rest of the show. And when you said trauma, just understand that trauma has many different levels. Because when we say trauma, we think of, oh my gosh, the worst thing in the world could happen. But trauma is many has many different levels for each individual. I mean, trauma could just be moving. 
you know, oh my gosh, you know, I'm a, I'm a renter and they're selling the house and now all of a sudden I got to move. Well, that could be trauma to you because now it's like, you str- oh, I got to, you know, really scamper for the finances for it moving and what am I doing with the kids or, or where am I going? How do I get this? Uh, how's that affecting my job? Uh, all these things. And that could be trauma to you. Trauma, you know, obviously, of course, can be death and things like that. But it, there's many different levels of trauma. So when you were talking about resiliency, you know, we think about it for these big things. But resiliency is also when just things of life happen. You know, hey, maybe at your job or, or you have you are the owner, and all of a sudden there's some changes, some mix ups, some movements. And that can be trauma because it could really throw you off in life. It could throw you off for days, weeks, months even. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so those different levels of trauma, when we talk about resiliency, it's just also handling, I guess you would say, the day-to-day stuff that's going to come at us anyway. Yeah. And it doesn't have to happen in your childhood. It can happen in your your teenage years and adulthood. And so understanding what you're talking about with A's helps us so much later on when we understand, okay, how did I get here? What are some things? Let me work on those so that when this stuff does hit me, I am more resilient Mm -hmm. to handle it because as we all know, stuff's going to happen. It's just different levels of, we could say it's trauma, different levels of trauma for life. And some people would consider trauma at different levels of their life. And like kids being bullied at school or relationship breakups or, you know, there's just so much that affects us. So an example of being resilient is like a ball. You want to bounce and not break. Okay. Like, you know, when you bounce a ball, it bounces, but if you bounce a glass, it breaks. You don't want to be the glass. (laughs) You want to be the the bouncing ball. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes practice. Yeah. If you get dropped, you want to be the rubber ball that bounces back up and not the glass. I get that. That's a good analogy. Yeah. It's hard to put put the broken pieces of glass back together again. And then, or I also like to think of a, a tree, a palm tree in a hurricane. I love palm trees because in a cyclone or a hurricane, they bend, then they bounce back up. They bend. They don't break. They bend. So stay malleable. Is that the word malleable? Well, they're flexible. Flexible. Yeah, flexible. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we increase our resiliency? Well, I've got two big ideas that I want to share with you. One is begin a personal development journey to make your you stronger and not bitter. Some of the books that Michael and I have read and we recommend to our clients is A Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. So good. Also, you can do one-on-one coaching. Then the second book is written by a favorite doctor of mine, Dr. Maxwell Malt, M-A-L-T. And he wrote the book, Psycho-Cybernetics. And that talks about training your brain to get you to your desired destination. And if your desired destination is not to be angry and bitter and numb because you're eating or drinking or doing drugs for the rest of your life, then this is a really good book because it helps you understand how you can learn to become a creative mind watcher and listen to what you're saying to yourself. Listen to the stories you are telling yourself and focus on, and the whole goal is to focus on improvement, not perfection. 
He also teaches us to understand that things are happening for you, not against you. That is key. Every time something bad happens to Michael and I, or to the girls, I go, girls, Michael, this is happening for us. We're going to learn something from this. We're going to grow from this. And you guys look at me like I'm nuts, but I'm trying to implement what I have I learned. Because if it's not, true. it's true. Yeah. Because if yeah. not, I'm going to go back into the trauma, pain, escape. Yeah. Yeah. It hasn't track. happened against us. It's happened for us. This is happening for us. And then also we say things like something good will come of this. This too will sh- shall pass. And the bottom line also is the rain ends in all storms. It doesn't rain forever, okay? This is like going to end somehow. I don't know when, but there will be an ending. So those are some books to, that I recommend. And then the last before I close is the second big idea. And that is understand that you can retrain your brain. Now, when I was growing up and becoming a medical doctor, I was always taught that you can't do anything with your brain. Your brain is like made and that's just what you get. And if you burn some brain cells, you won't be able to recreate or reconnect your brain cells. That's not true. That is a lie now, especially with the latest research. So you can retrain your brain by understanding that there is a limbic system and that's in the back of your brain. Like, you know, at the back of your neck, just right up at the top, right back in there, that's called your midbrain. And your midbrain remembers trauma, it has a memory, and you can get stuck in that situation, and it has emotions. And it's broken down into four parts, which I'm going to share more about what we can do to repair from this in part two. But I just want to give you like an outline of your midbrain, which is where your limbic system is. Now, in your midbrain, which is where your limbic system is, there's one, the hypothalamus. And you all know about the hypothalamus. It's the master controller of our hormones. The second is the hippocampus, and that's where memory is formed. And the third is the amygdala. The amygdala is where emotions happen. And the fourth is the cingula, which is where emotion and pain meet. Now, the key is to get unstuck from our past, which we can when we learn about the limbic system and how we can get unstuck. The key is to learn that you can let go of your past so that you can grab hold of your future. Because you know what? There are wisdom. There is wisdom in your past. Learn from it, grab it, keep it but let go of everything else because you know what? Your future doesn't have room for all the junk that has happened to you in your past. You've got so much more ahead of you, but if you're carrying around all this suitcases of junk, of trauma that's happened to you and you don't get that repaired, it's going to be a long, hard journey. And you know what? You probably won't make it to your final goal destination that you want. You won't be living the life you want because you're going to be carrying, you're going to be tired from carrying all this stuff. A picture that I have is like, imagine a stick man and the stick man or the stick woman is reaching for the future, but you know what? You have to let go of the past. So you only have one arm and it's stretched out forward. Okay. And you can do this by retraining your brain. Now, 
the lady that has helped me retrain my brain, I'm going to share with you her details. Uh, I'm not sponsored by her. I just know that she's helping so many of my clients and she's helped me tremendously is Annie Hopper, H-O-P-P-E-R. And she specializes in this. And she wrote the book called Wired for Healing. And she also has an online course in the privacy that you can do in the privacy of your own home for hundreds of dollars. It's not thousands, it's hundreds. And her program is called DNRS, Dynamic Neuroplastic Retraining System. And it really, really, really helps you get unstuck from the past trauma so that you and I can move on. Do you feel like it's helped me, Ben? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was instrumental. Uh, Very instrumental. I remember you working on that every day for- Long time. A few years, a uh, few years. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it was six months. Yeah, but- I know it continued. seemed like forever, yeah. No, but you continued periodically. Six months full on every day, but then after that, it was periodically. Yeah, because it's so easy to fall back into those tracks mm-hmm. that are well-worn in our They're brain. still there. We just have to have a deeper track of where we're going. Right. But the to actually say the old tracks are 100% gone, no. Nah. No, there's always a little rut, shall I say, of those that we could fall back into. So we have to keep working on deepening our positive going forward tracks. Yes. And her, uh, Annie's uh, website is called retrainthebrain.com. So I hope that helps. So this is uh, how your adverse childhood experiences affect our brain health part one. I hope This speaks to your heart and to your brain, your limbic system in particular, (laughs) and uh, that you share this with others that you know that will benefit from this, okay? Thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to talking to you on part two of how the adverse childhood experiences affect our brain health. And thank you, my dear. I look forward to talking, well, and hearing about part two. I know it's going to be very thrilling and very serving to all our listeners. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, hon. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Hello, Chef Michael here. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review.